0: Hello to all my Facebook family and my friends out there on the internet. We appreciate so much you joining in on our social media outlets for these studies. Uh, And welcome back, by the way. Last week we did not meet on Sunday afternoon because of the Memorial Day holiday, but we're back at it today. And we're super excited because I'm studying, I'm beginning a new series of lessons, uh, letters from the Apostle. The Disciple Whom Jesus Loved, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. There are a few times in the Gospel of John that John refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so I'm entitling this series on 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John uh, to reflect that. These are going to be wonderful lessons because 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John are wonderful letters. uh, Short in comparison to some others, especially the one chapter of 2nd and 3rd John. Uh, but wonderfully challenging themes and especially helpful um, ministry and teaching that we're going to talk about even uh, today. Nice to see a few folks joining us over there. The Murphys are here, hooray. The Mosleys are here, hooray, and others I know will be joining in. And so a shout out to everybody that's out there. I will be continuing a study on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons. Live at 3 p.m. on my Facebook page and then shared afterwards on my page and on our West Erwin Live and our West Erwin Church of Christ Facebook pages. That study is on the armor of God. It's on that great passage of scripture from Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 20. And if you missed it last week, that was the first two lessons and all you missed was a little bit of introduction. And so hopefully you'll be able to join in with us either live or later. You can access them at any time and then after a while you'll be able to access them in the archives on our website westerwin.com under social media and resources and then click on our live streaming page i'm excited about this study that we're beginning today uh, because i i love the book of first john second and third john are very personal letters uh, that come from john's heart this disciple whom jesus loved but i want to ask you a question as we begin today Uh, Have you ever been asked, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? Maybe you have. That sounds like a question that many of us who have been in the church around uh, the teaching and preaching of God's word for maybe a few decades, uh, remember being asked that question, sometimes being challenged by uh, a sincere and genuine person interested in our soul Uh, Sometimes I'm afraid that question is used in a very manipulative way. I'm all about helping people feel confident and assured in their salvation. In fact, that's what this lesson today is all about. It's really what this series on 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John is all about. Uh, But sometimes we may go too far with someone who might be in an especially vulnerable position and uh, I kinda hesitate to um, do things that would cause someone Uh, To act solely out of guilt. I realize that guilt is a great motivator and when we do wrong and when we are uh, Sinners and when we have not received salvation through Jesus Christ, then yeah, we should feel guilty But using that guilt in a manipulative way. I'm not I'm not a fan I got to say but I do believe that that question is an appropriate one for those of us who come from a different perspective to ask not necessarily others but to ask ourselves uh, if if I died tonight, would I go to heaven? And what exactly does that question entail? I mean, it may make us feel a little bit annoyed. It may make us feel insecure. It may make us feel even arrogant uh, in our response. And I think where that goes and where that leads us says a lot about where we are in our faith journey at this Moment and I got to say it seems a little bit arrogant to say well. Yeah, of course. I would go to heaven (laughs) Do you feel that way? I've known a lot of people through the years who refused to answer that question in the affirmative because they felt so um, so guilty and ashamed of their of their sin and again, I think that's not a bad way to feel about sin obviously but when you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, when you are walking in the light, as we're going to read about tonight in 1 John 1 verse 7, um, Scripture teaches us, and this great letter of first, sec- and Second and Third John teach us that uh, we can have some assurance. We sing the song sometimes, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Well, I think if we feel that way, I think that's okay. If our confidence and our assurance is in ourselves, and our own righteous lives, our own obedience to the will of God, well then that's arrogance. And there's no place for that in a Christian's heart. But that doesn't mean that we can't feel assured. And I believe that we should feel assured. And I'll give you a little hint as to the key. The key is not trusting in myself and my obedience, but the key is trusting in the one in whom I've given my life and to whom I've given my life. And that's our Savior, Jesus Christ. How can we have the assurance of forgiveness and a heavenly home without appearing or coming across as actually being arrogant? Um, I think that's our, that's our question as we go through this study. Uh, and I, I love this little story. A person was, going, was asked to read a passage of Scripture uh, from Jeremiah. And so he asked the minister how to pronounce the word Yahweh. That's that sacred tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H, that name for God that God took at the burning bush. When Moses asked him and said, I don't even know your name, how can I go to Pharaoh for you? God said, you tell him I am, has sent you. Well, that re- the Jews, as I mentioned in the sermon this morning, the Jews, after a while, refused to say that term, that name for God, out loud. And so because of that, the actual pronunciation has been lost because in the ancient Hebrew language, in the alphabet, in the uh, written language, they didn't use vowels. They only used consonants. And that's why you have that Y-H-W-H. And we have filled in a couple of vowels uh, to come up, for example, with the word Yehovah or Jehovah, J-E-H-O-V-A, Y-H-W-H, those letters. And we've also used the term Yahweh, adding in just a couple of letters to come up with that name. So this man was asked to read a passage of scripture from Jeremiah and in the translation he was using, it had the word Yahweh, for the Lord or for the name of God, Jehovah, in some translations, the Lord in all caps, in some translations such as the NIV. Well, he asked the minister how to do that. But when he got up in public and was reading, he said this. Unfortunately, I slipped up and said in my thick Texan accent, Yahoo is with you. (laughs) Well, I identify with that guy so much because the Lord always plants some things in my life and some experiences that I have to remind Bill that, well, Bill, you know, uh, you're not quite the big deal that you might have been tempted to think you are. And I think that there's, uh, that there's a blessing in that. When we do things, that kind of takes us down a notch or two. That's not a bad thing either. When we wallow in that and turn to self-pity and to a whole lack of assurance and confidence, that's a problem. Uh, that could become clinical even where we need to get some professional help. And that's okay if that's where we are. Uh, but that's the other extreme. And so I do believe that 1 John especially, but these letters from John, deal with those two extremes. On the one hand, you have that person who says, well, yeah, if I died tonight, I'd go to heaven because I'm good enough. I'm I'm obedient. I'm a whole lot more faithful than a lot of other people. And so, of course, I would. Well, that's arrogance. That's uh, in the parable that Jesus told about uh, the two men who went to pray. That's the Pharisee, the man who who says, God, you're, you're lucky to have me. I'm not like these other guys, even like that Pharisee. But if we approach it from the perspective of that, of that uh, sinner, that tax collector, that publican in the parable, and we look to God or we actually bow our heads before God and we say, God, forgive me, a sinner, he does. He does. And we can have the assurance uh, that he does. And that's a great, great blessing. And so as we consider those two extremes, one of arrogance and then the other of just um, fear. Actually telling someone, you know, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. And I think that's so tragic and so sad for people of faith. The whole idea behind faith is that I trust in my God. I don't trust in myself. I trust in what can't be seen. Uh, We live by faith, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, not by sight. By sight someday, one day, when we know beyond a shadow of a doubt because we'll be in his presence. All will be in his presence to be judged uh, and then saved for eternal life or condemned. And I think that uh, we can actually be able to answer that question. If you die tonight, would you go to heaven? We can say, well, yes, I would not because of any great thing that I've done, not because of all the obedient things that I've done, because we're very much aware of our own disobedience as well, but because of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think that it is uh, possible to be humbly confident and assured of our salvation. Not only do I think it's possible, I think that's the way we should be uh, throughout our lives. When we sin, we repent and we pray for forgiveness, but Throughout our lives, as 1 John 1, 7 is going to tell us, um, we can have that assurance all the time. And knowing that God is not going to jerk that salvation out from under us at a whim, but rather he is going to continue to let that blood of Jesus cleanse us from our sin. Well, I think the book of 1 John was written with just these kinds of things in mind. And so let's take a look at the two messages uh, some have said two streams of subject and topic that John has for his hearers, especially in 1 John. And, and it's it's very interesting because they come from entirely opposite perspectives. These two messages that John has for his hearers are these. Don't wonder about your salvation. Don't wonder about your salvation. And then the second one is this. Don't wander away from the Lord. It's interesting that both of those are found in scripture in 1 John and we see them throughout the letter but I want us to think of two passages in particular as we identify these messages, these these directions, these streams that John has. But also in just a moment we'll talk about the, the people that those streams, those messages are directed to. First of all, 1 John five thirteen. This is a passage that you probably know, that you've heard of before, that you think of occasionally, but that you may not put together, the BCV, the book, chapter, and verse, that it's actually in 1 John 5, verse 13. But this is what John writes as he tells them a, a part of the reason why he's writing them. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. That's a very powerful statement. And again, that knowledge is based on that faith, that trust, that belief in the name, the authority, the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. But it's powerful to me that John says, let me tell you why I'm writing this letter. I'm writing this so that those of you who have come to believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have placed your faith and your trust in Jesus, the Son of God, then I'm writing to you so that you will know that you are saved. You don't have to doubt it. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to be afraid to fall asleep at night, wondering that if you don't wake up in this life, will you be saved or will you be lost you don't have to wonder that and if you're living faithfully if you have trusted in god again not living perfectly not living perfectly but if you have put your trust and your hope and your faith in jesus christ and not in yourself uh, and you have responded to him in faith then you can know that you are saved It's a great, great statement. I'm writing to you who have come to believe in Jesus Christ so that you may know that you are saved. It's a very powerful believer. John writes to believers. He writes by the authority of Christ, and he writes to give us confidence, those of us who have come to believe in Jesus Christ. But there's a second message, there's a second stream that we find throughout the letter of 1 John, especially. And we find that stated in First John chapter 2, verse 26. Just as First John 5:13 reminds us that John is writing to tell us, "Don't wonder about your salvation." This verse tells us, "Don't wander away from the Lord." In 1 John chapter 2, verse 26, "I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. John is a great First John is a great letter of assurance and confidence building in the Lord, but it's also a stern word of warning toward those who are still connected with the church enough to be there when this letter is read or to hear about it later. And what John writes to them is he says, "Look, I'm writing to warn you. There are people out there who are trying to lead you astray, and yes, it is possible to be led astray." I think scripture announces that over and over again. In fact, I think that's one of the primary reasons why the New Testament is actually given to us. Because God knows that we need that encouragement of the scriptures, that direction, that counsel, that guidance, that assurance, those warnings, not to fall away. The book of Hebrews has them throughout because Hebrews is written uh, to Jewish Christians who have been persecuted so much that they were really considering going back to Judaism and the law. And the whole book of Hebrews is written to address that exact thing. And it's a word of assurance and confidence that when Christ paid that price, he died once for all for the sins like no high priest ever could. But it's also a word of warning that reminds us of what Peter told Jesus Uh, when all of the disciples had left him. And Jesus looks around and it's only those apostles and he says, are you going away too? And Peter, in one of those good moments where he speaks up in a positive way, says, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life and we've come to believe that you are that just one, that you are the Messiah, that you are the Son of God. Well, I think that's what John writes us. He writes us to say, look, if you turn your back on Jesus either through your disobedience and your lack of trust and faith in him or to follow some other god or the god of your own selfishness there is nowhere else you can go there are people who are trying to lead you astray but if you let them then you have lost everything we just began in our in-person bible class this morning at west Erwin church of christ here in tyler in our family life center a class on faith builders and joy stealers because there are people who are out there that are allowing themselves to be used by Satan to try to destroy our faith and steal our joy. But just as we said this morning in our class, great comment from David Bell, it's it, we choose to do that. Uh, no one can steal our joy or destroy our faith unless we let them. But I'll tell you what, Satan does his job really, really well. One of the things that John is going to tell us in 1 John chapter 2 he's going to remind us don't be worldly don't love the world don't love it at all because if you have love for the world then the love of the father is not in you so stay away from that lust of the flesh and lust of the eye and the pride of life because it just seeks to destroy you don't wander away from the truth don't wander away and lose your salvation uh, this great message from first john has both of those streams has both of those messages. You don't have to wonder about your salvation. You're saved. If you've trusted in the Lord, you've responded in faith according to what the New Testament teaches. Even though you still sin, even though you still struggle with some things in your life, John says, I'm writing this to you so that you will know that you are saved. But if you have turned your back on Jesus, if you have decided to live a disobedient life out of selfishness, out of pride, Uh, rather than trusting in Jesus Christ. Uh, John has a stern word of warning for you. And he says, don't don't let those people take you away, lead you astray. Don't wander away from the Lord. Um, And so you have two streams of messages. That must mean that there are two groups of people that John is addressing. And I think that's right. You know, one of the things that's so difficult for us preachers, for anybody really, who teaches a, a group of people uh, a Bible lesson, uh, and that, that group, that class, that church is of any size at all. We realize that, if it, that there are people out there who are in very different places in their journey of faith we realize that there are people out there, some of them who need a word of assurance and they're doing the best that they can and they're just overloaded and they're, and they're worried and they need that word of hope and assurance and reminder uh, that Jesus' blood is enough. But then in the same church, in the same Bible class, in the same group, there could also be those who are thinking seriously about leaving. In fact, some maybe who emotionally already have and they've turned away from Jesus and they've turned away from his word and they've decided that they're going to live a different way. Well, those people need to be addressed as well, but those are two complete opposites as to who you address your comments to, who you address this lesson to. And I agree that every, (laughs) I've heard it said and try to remember this each week in my preparation, every sermon needs to have not just points, but a point. And I try to ask myself, what is the point of this sermon, Bill? What is the point of this Bible class lesson? Because I think that's important. And while every message does have a point and a goal and a, uh, a direction, I do also have to remember, and I think we all do, what is my uh, hearers? What are they going to be like? Where Where are they in their lives? Where are they? What's going on in the world today? Because in the world today, there's a lot of joy stealing. In the world today, there's a lot of people out to take away our hope. And so I think more than any other time today in this world, we need that word of assurance. We need that reminder that says you just keep trusting in God. You just keep trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ. And yeah, things are difficult right now. We saw that in the book of Hebrews, as I mentioned. First and Second Peter speak that very clearly uh, to individuals who uh, were suffering greatly. Uh, other passages as well Jesus even in the gospel of John in those last in those chapters just before Jesus arrest when he's meeting with his disciples in that upper room uh, he warns them time and time again look it's it's going to be hard for you it's going to be hard for you but but take heart as he says in John 16 verse 33 even though you're always going to have trouble in the world i have overcome the world so you can have peace Well, there's that word of warning that says, don't give in to the temptations of the world, but also the word of assurance that says, because I, Jesus has overcome the world, we can be at peace. Uh, And so these two streams of people that John is writing to that are receiving this message, one message that says, don't wonder about your salvation. Well, that's written to those people who are faithful and just need some assurance. Uh, They don't need to be beat up. They're doing the best that they can. And it's not perfect. Again, we're not talking about perfection. We're not talking about never sinning. We're talking about whether your desire is to please God or not. Whether your desire is to be pleasing to him. Even though there are some things that you're struggling with that you know are wrong, but that you still find yourself falling into. That's okay because you're still trying and you're still on that path. You're still doing what John will tell us in just a moment, walking in the light. There are those who are faithful and need some assurance. These are the truly righteous, even though they feel insecure and need a dose of confidence. Uh, that's one stream. And to them, John writes, I'm writing you these things so that you will know that you're saved. But there's another stream that, G- that John addresses in this same letter, amazingly enough. And that is that group who are unfaithful and need to repent. This is the group of people who are spiritually arrogant and need a dose of humility. Uh, I've heard it said, and the difficulty here is that you have both of those groups in the same church. You have both of those groups receiving this same letter. And so some of it is going to depend on how you read it and where you see yourself. And being able to and willing to actually apply those things in an accurate and truthful way to yourself. If you're faithful and you're not perfect, then you should not let those imperfections have their way with you. You should remember that that's why Jesus died on the cross. And hear John's message. I'm writing this to you so that you can know through the blood of Jesus Christ, you can know that you're saved. But if you're thinking about turning away or if you already have turned away and you're looking to something else, you're, you're looking to just fulfill whatever you want your heart's desire is, whether God approves and blesses or not, then hear this word of warning from John. I'm writing this to you so that you won't wander away from the faith, wander away from the truth, wander away from the Lord. You know, I've heard it said that the goal of the preacher in every sermon is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. (laughs) I love that saying. I use it every so often. To comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And the the challenge is, just as John recognizes in writing this letter, the challenge is they're, they're, they're all in that auditorium. They're all in your Bible class. They're all looking to hear a message from you. And so what you try to do in the time of that sermon or that, that Bible class lesson is you try to help them hear what they need to hear. And if, a word of, if it's a word of assurance, then give it to them. And if it's a word of almost confrontation and challenge and reminder, uh, if you leave Jesus, there's nowhere else to go, then make sure that they have the opportunity to hear that as well. That's a huge challenge. And again, different lessons are going to have a different focus. If you're preaching as I have done recently from the book of Romans, you're gonna find that. If you're preaching from Romans one, two, and most of chapter three, then it's a stern word of warning about the sinfulness of of humanity that's going to uh, draw the wrath of God upon itself. But if you're in that passage of scripture from Romans three verses 21 and going forward, or in um, uh, chapter 13 as it talks about love, or in chapter five as it says, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's a different message. That's a message of assurance. That's a message, a reminder that says our trust and our hope for our salvation is 100% in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so with that in mind, let's read an example of this back and forth that John has in the book of 1 John. I'm super excited about reading the first four verses because that's the prologue, and it's not as long as the Gospel of John and that incredible prologue there, but it's still very powerful, and we'll look at that starting next week. But these words from First John chapter one, beginning at verse five, this is the message: First John one five. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light; in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. That's a word of warning. But, verse seven, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. That great verse in 1 John 1, 7 is a word of assurance. If we're walking in the light and we'll unpack that as they say, uh, in a couple of weeks or so, but that that verse is not saying if you're living perfectly, if you never sin. It's saying if you're walking in the light. How do you know, Bill, that it's that it's not saying that you have to never sin? Well, because of the verses all around it. We just read one in verse six. Let's keep reading in verse eight. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. There were some that felt that way. They were arrogant. In their salvation or they were arrogant in their lives in their disobedience and John says if you're doing that then you're lying Uh, verse 9 again is the other side that stream of assurance verse 9 however if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness I'll say it again when we're studying this passage in detail but first John 1 verse 7 and First John 1 verse 9 were two of the first verses out of the Bible that I memorized along with John 3, 16 Philippians 4, 13 1 Corinthians 10, 13 and perhaps a few others these two were there these two were on that list when this little boy who was in the 5th grade decided he wanted to learn more about Jesus um, verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So back and forth it goes. If we claim we haven't sinned, we're lying and we're calling God a liar. But if we're walking in the light, we have fellowship with each other and we have forgiveness through the blood of Christ. Uh, If we say we haven't sinned, we're deceiving ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For just a moment as we begin to end this lesson, I want you to ask yourself this question. In which stream are you? What's the message that you need to hear from these lessons? Do you need to hear that message of assurance because you're you're on that path with Jesus. You're walking in the light. You get to feeling very ashamed and insecure about the times when you fail. Well, I want you to know that uh, it's never right to sin, of course. But that verse, 1 John 1, verse 7, says, If we're walking in the light, not being sinless, but continuing to trust in him, for walking in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus his Son continually cleanses us, purifies us from all of our sins. You You can rest assured tonight when your head hits the pillow that were something to happen to you tonight or were Jesus to come, before you wake up, God, bring that, then you will be saved because the blood of Jesus has continually cleansed and purified you from all sins. But if you have sins that you're allowing to take over in your life, and you're refusing to confront them, and you're refusing to pray about them, and you're refusing to confess them, and you're living arrogantly in your sinfulness, then you need to hear this message of warning from 1 John and 2 John and 3 John and you need to turn away from that life and not wander away from the Lord. I'm excited about this. This this These great lessons give us the horizontal and the vertical, the trusting in the Lord, as well as the loving our neighbor as ourselves. Remember, there's a great passage, a very extensive passage about loving others in 1 John 3 and 4, including that great passage that says, um if you love uh if you don't love your neighbor your brother or your sister whom you have seen then you can't love the god whom you haven't seen that's a that's a very very difficult passage in a confronted passage Uh, we have the great verse in first john 5 that says this is the victory that overcomes the world even our faith not our perfect obedience but our faith that trusts in the lord I pray that you will take part in these studies. Feel free to share them or to share with others about these, sto- these studies because I think it's studies that we all need. We all need that assurance and we all need that word of warning that if we're away from God, then we need to repent. But if we are walking in the light and trusting in the Lord, having come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, We can know that we are saved. Praise God. I'll see you next time.